And welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 42. 42. The Blake Wheeler and PJ Stock episode. Oh, a couple of legends. If you're a younger fan and uh, you haven't had the chance to see some PJ Stock highlights on YouTube, you're going to do yourself a favor, go look them up. You're not going to find any highlight reel goals or anything like that, but you're going to see a little bit of like a better aj greer if that's yeah. a good comparison a blonde aj greer a blonde yeah i'm pretty sure one year he he like did the frozen tips i think <laughs> he did frozen yeah. tips frosted tips you dingling yeah there's, oh, but- <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of uh i didn't i always forget about blake wheeler there's been quite a few like young players that bruins have shipped out of here what the yeah. hell joe Sag- thornton Sagan, Sagan, phil kessel Thor- blake wheeler, wheeler. i know wheeler yeah, is Exactly on the same level as those guys, but still. Still, yeah. I mean, uh, hey, at one point we knew how to draft. But anyways, um, (laughs) as always, we are brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. You can follow our podcast Twitter at Bruin Something. You can also find us on YouTube at Something's Bruin. We upload our uh, weekly episodes there if you would rather watch than to just, you know, throw it up on Spotify and listen. Um, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, now, now that we're kind of what three weeks into the off season for the Bruins, three, four weeks into the off season, mm-hmm. obviously there's still NHL playoffs going on. Um, Panthers are still rolling. Just, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're 10 and one since the last time, last time they lost, um, a game in the playoffs, which is insane. But, at least you can say you lost to them, but we're not going to harp too much on that. Um, today's episode is actually going to be a bit of a fun one. We're going to do some rankings of players um, on the team. And I'm not sure. I wanted to talk to Nick about this as well. Should we do playoffs and regular season combined in their rankings? Ooh. And rankings, like- by rankings, I mean like a grading system. So A, to a being the best, F obviously being absolute trash i think oh man i don't know i think well geez louise am i okay <laughs> <laughs> am i okay oh my god no i was gonna say because like there's like a, ha- a handful of guys who had a uh their level of play between the playoffs and regular season was uh pretty pretty evident so for that reason i would like to do two different grades Okay. Okay. A playoff grade and um, in a regular, uh, regular season, season grade. Okay. Yeah. I like that too. So you don't just mix them together. You have two separate ones. Yeah. Well, like uh, like a player like uh, like Tyler Bertuzzi, right? Like yeah. I would give him. 
I'd give him a, a a regular season. I'd give him a B. I don't have his numbers off the top of my head, statistic wise, but True. he had a, a lack of goal scoring ability in the regular season when the Bruins got him. But he was making plays. He was getting assists. Come playoff time, I was ready to hang that guy's number in the rafters. I mean, <laughs> he was like over a point per game in the playoffs or whatever the hell it was. So I would give him an A. So I think we could do regular season playoffs or 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 overall season, and then maybe just a specific playoff one. I don't know. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, well, we already know what your Tyler Bertuzzi grade is. So since, yeah. you, already started, since you already started with the forward group, um, that's probably a good place for us to start. So we'll go We'll go uh, down through the depth chart, um, starting with Patrice Bergeron. Regular, we'll do regular season grade first and then postseason. We'll both give our regular season and then we'll both give our postseason. Okay. A regular season Patrice Bergeron, I mean, I think I would have to give him an A. I mean, there's been absolutely no drop-off in his play whatsoever. He's probably going to win his record-setting sixth Selkie this year. Um, I don't have his points in front of me. I thought, if I remember correctly, he might have had a, a bit of a slide in terms of goal-scoring ability, but that's not exactly what he's been doing his whole career anyways. Yeah, so Bergeron this season, he played in 78 games. He had 58 points. Plus 35, he only had 22 penalty minutes. Um, oh. And of those 58 points, 19 of them came on the power play. Yeah, and he had 27 goals, which is actually the most he's had since 2019. So, okay, great year from Bergeron. I'm going to give him an A, but play, <laughs> playoff-wise, oh, man. I'm, I'm going to give him a D, mm. which is really harsh for Bergeron. And I know that he was playing through some injuries and – you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and excuse for that. But, I mean, I don't think he had a single point in the games he played. The Bruins were, I hate to say it, 3-1 and one without him, 0-3 with him. So, uh, uh, A for the regular season, D for the playoffs for me. Okay. So, with Bergeron, I look at his regular season, right? Um, this team would have been so much different without him. Just having him come back at that, I'm pretty sure what, he was making one5 yeah. Either, yeah. either way, he took a minimal contract. Um, he came and he performed. He put up 58 points, like you said, 27 goals, his most since 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, out of those 27 goal goals, too, seven of them were game-winning goals. Um, I would give Bergeron, looking at all his stats, um, looking at his contract that he took, and just thinking of the fact that he didn't have to come back. Um, and then adding that to his leadership too, clearly how he brought this locker room together all year, I would give Bergeron an A plus. Um, like you said, he's he's on the fast track to his sixth Selkie, which is crazy. Um, and for playoffs, he's hard to judge because he came back game five, only played in three games, didn't have a point. He was playing hurt. Um, I, I would just kind of stay there and 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 give him a C for playoffs. Yeah, which is, you know, it's uh, I, I think the I mean, he's not he didn't again, he didn't play necessarily bad. I think it's unfair right. to give him a poor grade just because of uh, he didn't have the point production. But it's just because of, um, you know, comparing it to his regular season. And of course, you know, I'm not saying that they, they lost three straight games because Bergeron was in the lineup, but it's just I don't know. I don't know. It's uh. I mean, he was fighting through an injury. So, again, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, yeah. if you do want to look at point production, there was quite a bit of a drop off. But yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's for Bergeron. Now we'll go to Marshawn. 73 games played, 
21 goals, 46 assists, uh, 67 points. He had 74 penalty minutes, 27. Uh, he was a plus 27 in terms of plus minus. Um, for Marshawn, regular season, I I mean, you got to think too, he came back early from, from his surgery. Um, people weren't sure how he was going to perform coming back, not only early, but also from that at his age. You didn't know what his level of performance was going to be, but 67 points in 73 games, one of our most valuable players. He was second on the team in points. Um, obviously behind David Pasternak for Marshad, I would probably give him an A as well. A for him in the, in the, um, regular season postseason, 10 points in seven games. He showed up. He was a minus six. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy. It's ridiculous. Uh, for, for the, for the playoffs, I would give Marshawn, um, a solid B. Yeah. Would you give him an A in the regular season? Yes, yeah. I think in the regular season, I don't know. I think I think I would give him a I give him a B. And almost for the same reason that I kind of knocked Bergeron in the playoffs. I mean, he was like you said, he's 35 now. He had double hip surgery, came back early, and he played a lot better than people thought. I don't know if you can hear that, but my mic stand is so loud. Um yeah, but um you know, there was at times he, he did look different. It looked like he might have lost a step. You could tell that he was fighting through, um, you know, coming back from the injury that he sustained last year, that he had, he was had surgery on in the offseason. But this is the first time in like eight years that he averaged under a point per game. He just barely made it over the 20-goal threshold, which hasn't been a problem for him in uh, about a decade. Um they're also tied. He was inconsistent at times. Remember, he had like a 12 game streak at one point where he didn't yeah. score a single goal, which just yeah. isn't Brad Marshawn. Um, so, and I say same reason as Bergeron in the sense that, you know, he played great, all things considered, you know, with the injury and his age. And which is weird now that we have to start talking about Brad Marshawn's age because everybody's been talking about Bergeron and Creature getting up there. Brad Marshawn's about to turn 35 himself. Yeah. Um, so regular season, I'll give Marshawn a B. Playoffs, um, I would give him an A minus. He definitely showed up. Um, ten points in seven games is great. He did have four of those ten points in one game, though. But um, you know, in a in a series where the Bruins needed their big guys to show up, uh, and very few of them did, Brad Marshawn was definitely one of the ones that did show up. So I'll give him an A. All right, that's fair. Now we'll go to the uh, team leader in points, David Pasternak. Uh, 82 games played, 61 goals, absurd, uh, 52 assists, 113 points. He was a plus 34, 38 penalty minutes, 37 points, came on the power play of those 113, and he had 13 game-winning goals, including four overtime goals. Um, Pasta in the regular season, I mean, we're probably both in consensus with this one. It's got to be an A+. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, if if you're trying to give him anything other than an A plus, you're just you're just looking for clicks at that point. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, you're you're just looking to draw some attention. But yeah, but this is when it gets interesting. Playoffs. Um, seven games played. He was a minus two. He had five points. All were goals, and they didn't come until later in that series either. No assists. Five goals. Um. Pretty sure two of those goals came in one game as well. So playoffs, honestly, with a superstar like David Pasternak and the production that you expect out of him in the time where it really, really matters, didn't really show up until the end. 
he he had zero assists, five goals. Um, I would give Pasta a C minus in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as harsh. I think I'd give him a C plus, pretty much for the the negative reasons that you listed off. You know, uh, five goals in seven games is definitely nice, but this is a guy that had like a hundred and what do you have like a hundred and twelve regular season points or some shit like that, and he's one thirteen. But yeah, yeah, one thirteen. Wow, I, I pulled that out of my ass. I didn't know that was that close. Um, you know, if, if not for Connor McDavid, this is a guy who's uh, you know serious. I mean, he's obviously a finalist for the heart, and you know. Uh, who else is a finalist? Is it Kachuk? Is he the third one? I think, yeah, yes. I mean, Kachuk's showing you every reason why right now why he should win the uh, the Conn Smythe. But no, I mean, players like that, you just expect them to take over in the playoffs, to win games right. the way that Matt Kachuk has, to win games the way that Connor McDavid was in the Western Conference. And to your point, David Posnock just didn't, he just didn't do that. I mean, five goals in seven games is nice, but you can't, you, you, you're telling me you can't get a single assist. You can't make a single uh, playmaking play. And his, his turnover numbers were relatively down. I mean, eight turnovers in seven games is still a lot, but it's not that much when you're talking about David Posnock. So um, I'll give him a C plus because the goal scoring was there, but you definitely wanted more from him in the playoffs. That's fair. Um, Now here's, here's this one. This one's going to be interesting. Pavel Zaka, 82 games played, same amount of goals as Marshawn. He had 21 goals. He had 36 assists. He was fourth on the team in points with 57, um, plus 26, 16 penalty minutes. And um, of his of his 57 points, eight of them came with a power play, and he had three game-winning goals, none in overtime. Um Zaka coming into the team with the expectations that he had, a younger player who kind of was his ceiling was getting lower and lower in Detroit, in Detroit, in New Jersey. <laughs> um, so for him to kind of come in, take whatever role he was given, and perform, I mean, he had a career high in points. Um, I'll, I'll give Zaka a solid B plus because there there's definitely room to grow and room for him to round out his game a little bit more. Um, you would have liked to see a little more consistency too. And I know a big knock on his game is his inability sometimes to hit the net because he takes a million <laughs> shots a game. He takes a million shots a game, but sometimes they wind up in the corner or they wind up three feet over the crossbar. Um, but Zaka overall regular season, definitely B plus. Um, now for the postseason, <coughs> excuse me, he had – Opposite of David Pasternak, he had no goals, but he had six assists, <laughs> and he was a plus one um, in seven games. Um, Zaka in the postseason, all same thing, B plus. You don't really expect him to go out there and be the goal scorer. He was responsible <laughs> defensively. Um, he set up some plays. Yeah, I'd, I'd give him a good B plus for playoffs. Yeah, I think I think regular season. I think. I have trouble giving anything other than an A minus just because it was a career year. And like you said, you, you weren't sure what you were expecting to get from uh, Pavel Zaka. Did you just try to take a drink without removing the cap? Yeah. Hey, if you, if you're watching this on YouTube, then I say you're going to get a good chuckle. <laughs> I just try to drink my Snapple with the cap still on. That's okay. That's the biggest Snapple bottle I've ever seen, by the way. It's, it's a big one. Um, but, you know, Pavel Zaka, you didn't really know what you were going to get with him coming in here. I mean, sixth overall pick. I think you know what you wanted him to be, but it was just about him getting there and he got there and then some, I mean, 20 goals score, almost 60 points this year. Um, and not just that, too, but you were able to put him on your second line, on your third line. He could play wing. He could play center. Um, he was 
okay in the face-off dollar. I think it's 45% this year, which is the lowest it's been in three years. But, um, you know, I think I would give him an A- minus just because of the production you got from him you really needed and you weren't sure if you were going to get it. Uh, sure. Playoffs, like you said, interesting how um, <laughs> David Bosnock can get five goals and no assists and then Pavel Zaka can get six assists and no goals. Um I'm going to give him a B plus for the playoffs, though. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike David Pozenok, you're not expecting Pavel Zaka to go out there and just start lighting it up every single night. Um, so six points in seven games for Zaka is nice. I, I, I wouldn't go any higher than that because um, you could have used some goal scoring, um, especially seven games and you can't get one. It kind of sucks. But yeah. um, no, I would give him a, a B, a, a minus regular season. I give him, a, I think I said, a B plus for the playoffs. Fair. Now let's move down to the second center spot, David Krejci. Um, again, like Bergeron, didn't have to come back. He came back. He took a he took a minimal contract. Um, he gave you seventy games, fifty six points, sixteen goals, forty assists. He was a plus twenty three. Um, twenty penalty minutes. Out of those fifty six points that he had, twelve of them came on the power play. He had two game winning goals. Um, yeah, I mean Krejci. I, I don't know. He, 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 did you expect more production out of him coming coming back this year? <clears throat> no, honestly, I think we got more. I think his problem was he 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 tailed off at the end, and I know he he you know he's getting old, and he hasn't you know he didn't have the uh, the stress and the longevity of playing a full eighty two game NHL season last year. But um, this was a guy at one point he was averaging almost a point per game. He had like forty six points through his first fifty games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to look and you know he finished with fifty six and seventy. Um, he was playing insane to start the year. I remember we were saying that we didn't know what David Krejci you were going to get. I mean, you know, uh, the level of competition between the NHL and the Czech League is like, you know, if you and I were to really play like our high school <laughs> and then suddenly next day we're playing D1 college or some shit. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that um, in in a season where you didn't really know what you were going to get from from David Krejci, I mean, he was four goals away from you know, a 20 goal score. His 56 points were the most points he had since 2018. Um, um, and he played 70 games. So regular season, I would give David Krejci uh, a, a B. I would have liked him to uh, be a little more consistent um, and to play with the same energy and have the same production towards the end of the year that he started the year with. Um, but playoffs, I don't know. Did you say his playoff numbers yet? If not, I have them here. Not he yet. Had, he had uh, four, ga- four games, he had one goal, three assists, four points. So point per game player in the playoffs. Uh, but he was a minus three. Um, I'm trying to think of David Krejci in the playoffs. And the yeah. only thing I can really remember from him this year that stuck out to me is when he was a last minute scratch because he hurt his elbow. Um, <laughs> like I really can't think of like any like defining play no, um, from David Krejci. I don't think he really stuck out at all. Um, and again, like you don't necessarily need him to because his team is so deep, but that's a guy who's really, um, powered this offense especially in the playoffs in the past so i would have liked more out of david krejci um i understand he was hurt too with what was going on with his elbow so playoffs i'll give him a c yeah yeah reg- I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you regular season krejci coming in older guy um i'd probably go with a b could have not bad he came in and he produced um but like you said he tailed off at the end would have liked to see him go full season or at least three quarters of that at that same level. So I, I, I think a B for him is fair playoffs. Kind of want to say the same thing. 
B, B to a B minus, somewhere in that range. You, it, it, I, I can't, like you said, point any specific play out in the <laughs> in the playoffs that he had. I can think of one. It was I think it was in Game Seven, um, where he literally had the puck in the slot all alone, and he just oh yeah, and he passed up the shot. He like curled or something. <laughs> yeah, he like curled back up the boards and then like gave the puck away. I'm like, oh, okay, like that's uh, just yeah. that's no, not crazy. It's starting to come back to me now when you're talking about his his uh, hesitancy to shoot. You know what? Let's yes. take that T and drop it to a C minus. Yeah, they could have yeah. used some more shots on that. Yeah, playoffs. I'll give him a B minus. Um, moving down the line, we'll go. Um, ooh, the Golden Boy, Jake DeBrusque. Uh sixty-four games played, fifty points, uh, twenty-seven goals, twenty-three assists. He was a plus twenty-six on the season. He only had sixteen penalty minutes. Um, out, out of those fifty points, fourteen came on the power play, and, and DeBrusque had six game-winning goals. Zero wow. of those, zero of those came in overtime. He also practically single-handedly won the Winter Classic. He did. No, on yeah, a broken, on, leg. On a broken leg. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Jake DeBrus coming in, um, taking that first line wing spot alongside Bergeron and Marshawn. He took it by the reins. Um, I'm gonna give Jake DeBrusk an A on the season. You know, if he never got hurt, I think he would have posted up upwards around like maybe. 65 maybe pushing 70 points um he did i mean he missed 18 games um yeah i i I give him an a for the regular season now in the playoffs oh my god in the playoffs he had six points i did not realize he had six points in the playoffs Um, oh yeah he had four goals two assists he was a minus one i think everybody so far in the playoffs was a minus player outside of pavel zaka that we've run (laughs) through so far so you know what? For playoffs, I'll give Jake DeBrusque an A minus. Give him an yeah. A minus. He had a, JD had a solid season. He did, and for that reason, I definitely, I also, I give him an A for the regular season. This was a year where um, he kind of talked himself up, and this was his, this was kind of his moment. Um, you know, he requested the trade last year, whatever it was, and and everybody was saying, you know, give him first line time with a, this is the best line he's ever been on. Let's see what he can do. And he, like you said, he took this opportunity and he ran with it. Um, 27 goals in 64 games. I mean, if he plays, if he's in the lineup for another two weeks, he's hitting 30 goals the first time yeah. of his career. Um, he did pretty much everything that when Jake DeBrusque first came into the league, 16 goals his rookie year, 27 goals his second year as a 22-year-old. And then all of a sudden, we kind of saw the drop-off. We thought, damn, like that might be the best Jake DeBrus we're going to see. He had a kind of a couple years there where he was just kind of like going through the motions, kind of wandering through purgatory. He's going up and down lines. He has a different center every night. Um, and then this year was the year where he's had his opportunity. You got a new coach coming in. You're going to be the top-line winger. You're playing with uh, uh, Bergeron and, and Brad Marchand. Like, this is your opportunity. Seize it. And he did that. He could have, yep. you know, crumbled. He could have, you know, struggled again. Like a couple years ago, I'm looking in 20, 2020. He had five goals in 41 games. Yeah, not think, good. Like he's, you know, <laughs> he he kind of talked talk this year, and I thought he backed it up. And if not for his broken leg in the Winter Classic, who knows what he could have finished with? Um, so I'll give him an yeah. A for the regular season. Playoffs, you know, like you said, six points, seven games, four goals, two assists, minus one. Uh, I'll give him a B plus. Fair. The thing about that too, about that stat line for playoffs, unlike what we saw with Pasta and unlike what we saw with Zaka, he was doing it all. He was setting up plays. He was also scoring. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, people who want to trade Jake DeBrusque this offseason, I don't understand. He's like, he's, really... he's, he's, he's signed a four mil. That's a great deal. Yeah. Like, why are you looking to ship him? Yeah. Why are the you looking to ship you're getting him off? from Jake DeBrusque? And it, like, it seems like he's a, he's a good guy in the locker room. I know. Yes. I think we've talked about it before, but the, uh, I always get a kick out of the behind the B when he was injured and he's got the boot <laughs> in his foot and he's reading the lineup card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I know that this team is going to look different, especially chemistry wise next year with the guys who are coming in and out. And for that reason alone too, that's another reason why I would want to make sure that Jake DeBrusque is here because he's been here for, seven years you know and um right. you know like you just said too the production you're getting if you get a season like that for four mil uh and he stays healthy for a whole year i mean that's a bargain yeah um so let's jump to charlie Coyle. charlie Coyle, actually i'm pretty sure pa- pasta zaka charlie Coyle were the only three players to play all 82 games this season for the team um, so Coyle, obviously durable. Uh, he was slid up and down, mainly stayed at that third line role, though. Uh, 45 points, 82 games, 16 goals, 29 assists. He was a plus 29, 30 penalty minutes, zero points came on the power play. Um, he also had zero game-winning goals, but he did have a shorthanded goal. And he had five shorthanded points. Um, Damn. So Charlie Coyle. Just based on his his ability to stay healthy all season, um, be an anchor on that third line and really be the driver of whoever he was playing with, whether it was Zaka, whether it was Frederick, uh, whether you saw Lauko slide up, whether you saw Felino there, Coyle was the mainstay on that line. I would give Charlie Coyle for the role that he played. I would give him a honestly. I would give Coyle an A minus for the regular season. He played really really well. Yeah, I would give Coyle an A minus as well. Um, you know, one of the reasons that this team was so good regular season wise, because we all know what happened in the playoffs, was because of how, was because of how deep their bottom six was. I mean, you and I were banging the drums all year. He's the best third, the best third line in hockey, and it starts with their third line center, Charlie Coyle. And especially, I know we're doing different regular season and playoffs, but those first four games of the playoffs when he was playing your top line center, I mean, this team didn't miss a beat. Um, so that versatility that he hey. has, when he can- <laughs> and they were winning. That's true. They're <laughs> hey, this team that's Florida Panthers, the team that's one one away from the Stanley Cup, your Boston Bruins were up 3-1 on them. Yep. Uh, God damn it, dude. Even just saying that really just – it's bringing back all these feelings I've tried so hard to push down the last couple weeks. <laughs> um, no, but his, you know, his ability to slide up and down the lineup, uh, first-line center, second-line center, third-line center, you name it. Um, he's always – the consistency in his play too, um, even when he's not producing on the score sheet, um, he's still winning face-offs. He's over 50% in the face-off dot this year. He's still winning scrums in the corner. He's a big body. He's 6'3", and he was very nearly uh, – had a career year this year. 16 mm-hmm. goals. Uh, he had 45 points, which is the second most he's had in a season behind the 56 he put up back in 2016-2017. So uh, a great year from Charlie Coyle. And in a year, too, like you mentioned, where you had some injuries, him being able to stay in that lineup all, all 82 games definitely helps his cause, too. So I'm going to give him an A-. Yeah. Now, for the playoffs, you I know you already mentioned it, but without Berger on the lineup, he was that first-line guy, and he did it well. He played that role well. Uh, he played in all seven games. So he didn't miss a game this year. That's kind of tough. <laughs> um, all seven games Coyle played. He had one goal, one assist, two points, was a minus one. Now, when you're looking at the production, obviously you would like it to be higher, but you're also looking at a player like Charlie Coyle, who you don't expect to be a main producer on the team. 
Um, you saw him step up in that first line role when Bergeron was hurt. He played well. He, he, he played better than well, honestly. He, he played phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give Coyle an A for the playoffs. He did. He, he jumped into a first line role that isn't his role and it hadn't been all season long. He drove that line. Um, he, he set the tone. I, I would give Coyle an A for playoffs. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I'm between an A and an A minus, uh, but I'm going to say A for the same reason you said. I was thinking A minus because two points in seven games, like yeah. if you give somebody an A, like they really got to deserve it. But like you just said, he's he should be your third line center every night. You don't exactly need him to go out there and let up a score sheet, but his ability to slide into that first line center role when Bergeron was out and have this team absolutely humming, like yep. Charlie Coyle was a large reason why the Bruins are up three to one in those first couple games. If he just like rolled over and uh, if there was a noticeable drop in play between Bergeron regular season and Coyle, I mean, th- we're talking sweet. Like we're talking, they're down three to one, not up three to one at that point, which still pains me every single time I got to get that <laughs> out of my mouth. But uh, yeah. no, I would, I would give him uh, an A minus for the regular season. I give him an A for the, uh, the postseason. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now we're going to slide down to left wing Taylor Hall. Uh, 61 games played. He had 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points in 61. Um, He was a plus 11, 24 penalty minutes. Of those 36 points that he had, eight of them came on the power play. And he also had five game-winning goals, including one overtime winner. He's tricky. I... You, I think you expect a little more production out of him, just not not only because of where he was drafted, his name, all the things he's accomplished in the past, his pedigree, basically. But you have to remember he was also mainly playing third-line minutes alongside Coyle and Frederick. So for Hall, I would give Hall a, a B, almost a B-minus. It's, it's like an 84 yeah, yeah one more drop off, you'd be a B minus. But a, a B for Hall, I, I think is fair. I think that's fair. I think that's a fantastic way of putting it. An 84, a B, <laughs> kind of a B minus, because you got great production out of him in terms of a third line left winger. Right. But you, you didn't get great production out of him in terms of what he can do. Like we all know that he's, you know, a former MVP, but this is a guy who has a handful of 20 goal seasons under his belt, a guy who scored over 60 points, you know, half a dozen times in his career. And to see him with 36 points is a little weird, but um, he was good defensively. He was a plus 11, like the third time in his career, he's been a a positive plus minus player. Um, So what you needed out of him and your third line left wing role, you got. So I would give him kind of that same B minus B teetering towards B minus. And also remember too, he he did miss 21 games, mm-hmm. so he was about he was a little bit better than a point every other night player. So as your third line winger, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, but as a player making six million dollars, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not the same yeah. story. Now Taylor Hall in the playoffs. Obviously, he might have been one out of maybe three guys who really showed up. Taylor Hall in the playoffs, seven games played, five goals, three assists, eight points, and was a plus four. Easy for me. Taylor Hall, A-plus a playoffs. Yeah. He, he showed up. And in those final games, games five, six, and seven, he seemed to be the best player on the ice for the team too. Yeah, and that's why it's so frustrating because, like, the guys who did show up are players who, like – 
didn't need to. Like the Bruins right. would have like the Bruins would have been fine if Taylor Hall struggled in the first round or if Tyler Bertuzzi didn't have, didn't do what he do as long as like you know, your top six guys are playing well, your defense is playing well, your goalies are carrying hell, you and I can go out there and play some meaningful third line minutes. And if and if Omar and Swayman are playing well, the defensive unit is humming and the top six are going fine, we're winning. Mm-hmm. Um so it kind of sucks that the Bruins had to waste um a great playoff run from Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi and who else? But like you said, five points, eight, five goals, eight points in seven games plus four. I mean, you you're gonna have a hard time giving anything below an A. So yeah. you know, A A plus for me for playoffs for Taylor Hall. Yeah. So let's stay on the winger side now, and then we'll jump to defenseman too once we finish the forwards. But um, Tyler Bertuzzi, twenty one games played as a Bruin. He had 16 points, four goals, 12 assists. All of those assists probably came off the stick of pasta. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 16 points in 21. He was a plus four. He had six penalty minutes. Um, of those points, five of them came on the power play. And he had no, yeah, he had no game winning goals. I would give Bertuzzi an A plus as soon as he came to the Bruins, and you yeah. put him alongside David Pasternak, A plus. Like, it, it, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that out of Orlov, Hathaway, and Bertuzzi, mainly everybody is like is on the side of resigning Bertuzzi first. Yeah, yeah, and he definitely played himself into that into that part too. Oh, yeah. um, for me myself, I, I, I would give him an A minus. He mm-hmm. definitely played well when he came to the Bruins. I would have liked a little more scoring output, which I kind of teased at earlier. Um, mm-hmm. But just his splits, like in Detroit this year, twenty nine games, fourteen points minus twelve. In Boston, twenty one games, sixteen points plus six. So you know, a lot of that is you know going from Detroit to Boston. Of course, certainly helps. But like you said, I mean, he was playing great when he came over here. Um, some of the passes he was making, like no look behind the pass, behind the back, like drop passes through traffic. Uh, like you said, pretty much every single one to Boston. Yeah, um, that, that is a a a combination that I want to see continue in Boston. So yes. Um, I'm going to give regular season uh, regular season Bruins for Tyler Bertuzzi. I'll give him an A minus. Yeah, I think it's a crime if we only get 21 games of well, uh, I guess 28 games of Bertuzzi and Pasta. Um, but in the playoffs, yeah, Bertuzzi, 7 games played, 5 goals, 5 assists, 10 points, but he was a minus 4. And I know it's not indicative of his play with with plus minus. It's not really a reliable stat per se, but his production was great. He was putting points on the board every night, but his defensive turnovers and his just defensive awareness in the zone wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, for playoffs, I even with 10 points, I would give Bertuzzi a B-. The game gets hard in the playoffs. You need to be stronger defensively. You need to be aware of where you're throwing the puck. You can't just be tossing it around like it's like it's like your team is 20 points up and is guaranteed a president's <laughs> trophy. Um, in the playoffs because it's a new season. So for playoffs, I'd give Bertuzzi a, a B minus, really close to a C plus, but mm. still still a B minus because of the ten points. Yeah, I wouldn't go as harsh as you. I would I would give him uh, like between a B and a B plus. We're gonna mm-hmm. go eighty seven, which which <laughs> puts you over the line to a B plus. Yeah. Um, this was also the first playoff series he's ever been in his entire career right um have 10 points five goals in seven games and not even just that too like like mentally 
we were talking the beginning of this series, like f- even though the Bruins were winning games physically, the Bruins were getting it taken to them. Like they, they had no backbone. It was non-existent. Like it, it just, it seemed like there was no pushback and no fight despite they were still winning. And Tyler Bertuzzi was like the only player who was going out there. He was going after Chuck. He was getting dirty in the corners with him. He was trying to get this team fired up and nobody else was. And and in the playoffs, like you need players like that. We were just talking about Gudis, what he's been able yep. to do with this Florida Panthers team. And, um, you know, he's got a, a bit of size on Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, like he was putting the puck in the back of the net. He was getting points and he was also helping to drive the emotion, the emotional side. I don't know the correct phrasing of it, but you know what I'm trying to say um, yeah. of this Bruins team in the playoffs. So for that, I think I, I would have trouble giving him anything below a B, but you're definitely right. And his turnovers were extremely costly and it's not just the turnovers. It was when he made the turnovers, there were seemingly every single one seemed like they were all in the defensive zone. Yeah. Every single one was like when they were when they were you know scrambling and just trying to make shit happen. He would cough the puck over. Who can forget that turnover he had when he made like that drop pass or whatever? Right, right. Literally, I don't remember who it might have been like Sam Bennett or somebody had the puck right on their stick in the slot. Nobody around them, and he did. And Olmark made a great save, but like like you said, it's the playoffs that that can't happen. Um, and and I think if Tyler Bertuzzi was not in the lineup. I mean, this. I don't know if this series goes to seven. Well, I mean, they're up three one, but um, you know what I'm trying to say. But yeah, yeah, regular season, I give them an A minus. Playoffs, I give them a B B plus. Fair. Um, let's move to Trent Frederick. So Trent Frederick, seventy nine games played this year, seventeen goals, fourteen assists. He was three goals away from hitting that twenty mark. He smashed his career high of um, points. His previous career high came last year, eighteen points. This year he had thirty one. He was a plus 28, 57 penalty minutes. Um, Trent Frederick actually had six game-winning goals of those 17. That's crazy. So he's got the clutch gene. None of those were overtime goals either, by the way. Um, Trent Frederick's regular season, I would give him an A-. minus. You didn't expect him to come in and put... 17 goals into the back of the net his previous career high was eight he'd never even reached double digits i think you saw him kind of blossom into not exactly the player he'll always be but he blossomed into a confident player this season and he's got he was given the ability to play consistently and you saw the benefits that that had for him i yeah i'd give him an a minus for for the regular season yeah i would I would give him an A plus just because mm-hmm. I mean, like you just mentioned, I mean his production this year. You didn't you didn't know uh, what you were gonna get from him or, or what he could do, and you could kind of tell, like you said, the confidence what it can do for a player. I mean, there were nights out there where he was driving the Bruins' offense as a third and fourth line player, yeah. which is why, like you look at his numbers and seventeen goals. And like 31 points doesn't exactly jump out at you, but 17 goals and 31 points getting predominantly fourth line minutes with a third line appearance every now and then, you know, less than 12 minutes of ice time a night is is big. That's big production from a guy in his spot. Um, we were just talking about Taylor Hall, who had 16 goals on the third line. Well, here's Trent Frederick with 17 goals playing fourth and third line minutes. So I would yep. give Trent Frederick a, an A+. Plus. And I don't know if you knew this, but he's from St. Louis and he's friends with Makachuk. <laughs> he only um, said it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the playoffs, though, Freddie, he played five games, zero goals, zero assists, zero points. He was a minus two. Like 
create like we were mentioning with creature earlier i can't remember a single moment out there where i was like oh Trent frederick nice play or like yeah. literally anything um <laughs> so just based on that it, i would give him a c minus he didn't do anything <laughs> yeah i mean i would i would give him uh i'd give him a d plus you know because okay. uh, again he didn't do anything but um you know he didn't get a lot of ice time but I mean, you're hoping you can at least get like one one assist or something. <laughs> Just get one point. But now I would give him a D plus. I don't remember yeah. anything at all from him in the playoffs. Yeah, poor Trent Frederick. He's got nine games played in the playoffs. And he's got zero points and he's a minus four. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Twenty six um, penalty minutes though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, so let's go, Nick Felino. Sixty games played, twenty six points, ten goals, sixteen assists. Um, plus 18, he had 45 penalty minutes and he also had one game winning goal. Um, also he had five power play points as well. So Felino, based on, you know, his, his expectations after how he finished last season and how, how much on the negative side he was on in Bruins fans minds. Uh, uh, Felino can get a B plus in my book. I think that's fair. I'd give him about a B plus too. I mean, he had five times the amount of goals this year that he did last year and double the amount of points despite playing four less games last year. He was also a minus 13 this year. He's a plus 18. Um, he's clearly not the Nick Felino that was on the Columbus blue jackets, but for what the Bruins need him to do, I think he does well, which is, Get some third, some fourth line minutes on left wing. Occasionally pop up and say, "Hey, how are you on that third line?" Uh, and be a, and be a leader in that in that bottom six. And I think that he did that well all year. So I give him a also, I give him a wait. What did you give him? Did you give him a B plus? I give him a B plus. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give him a B plus too. But like an 88, 89. Also, you know how in a, in um, the NHL video game, so you have like the superstar abilities or whatever, like the X yeah. factors. His X factor would be the born leader one. It's like whenever that person scores, like the whole energy, the bench gets full energy. Because <laughs> yeah. whenever he scored, I swear to God, even in the fans, everybody just like jumped up two notches in there. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's Uncle Nick. Everybody loves him. It's right. just like uh, part of me feels bad because nobody hated Nick Felino more than I did before this season started. And like, all year, like he's just such a likable guy. Like he, he, you can tell like the impact that he has on some of the younger guys on this team. Um, and there were times too; it was noticeable when he was out of the lineup when the Bruins went on that little skid right before the All Star break when Nick Foligno was out. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he had. I mean, again, the production that he had this year. He's not the Nick Foligno of old, but in this new role that he now finds himself in, I think he's he's doing a great job of it. So yeah, and he's a great fit in that role too. Yeah, and he's he's like he's an older guy, so he understands. He's not gonna whine about it or pout about it. He knows, like yeah, yeah, he's not the same and, player. And part of me too, like. I wouldn't, I mean, obviously he, he would prefer to be, you know, light in the lamp every now and then. But um, like part of me thinks that like, you know, after being a first round pick and being the captain in Columbus and, and all the pressure, I'm sure of what Toronto, for whatever reason, gave up to get you on their team to, to be in Boston and to know that you don't have to go out there and score, you know, 30 goals a season. You don't even have to have a letter uh, on your chest, just, you know, be yourself and, contribute how you can contribute whether it be on the ice or off the ice i'm sure it might be a nice change of pace for him at this point in his career but yeah 
Um, in the playoffs, though, he played six games, one goal, two assists, three points. He was a plus zero. I would just give him a solid C plus. I give him a I I give him a B minus. He didn't didn't do anything crazy, but he didn't uh, he didn't contribute directly when he lost, which is yep. which is more than a handful of players in this team can say. So yeah. <laughs> um. All right, getting to the end of the forwards here. Thomas Nosek, <clears throat> 66 games played, 7 goals, 11 assists, uh, 18 total points, plus 9, 48 penalty minutes, do, 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 um, 0 power play points, that's correct. Yeah, 0 power play points, and he had one game-winning goal. Thomas Nosek, though, playing that fourth-line role, played it great. He's a great on the, he's great on the face-offs, great defensively, great on the PK. Um, for his role and his ability to to really tackle it, I would give Nosek a – I'll give him a B, just dead on B. I would, I would, get, I would actually give him an A-. minus. A-? Minus. Because Ooh. he was – he's consistent. He got – he gave you what you expected him to. I mean, his – these are his career points, ready? 2017, he had 15 points. 2018, he had 17. Then he had 15 18, 17, and this year he had 18. So talk about the model of consistency. He's yeah. always right around 15, 16, 17, 18 points. Um, you know, he was a plus nine, but what you mentioned earlier, the, the face-off dot, he was almost 60% in the face-off yeah. dot this year, um, which is huge, you know, having him out there, putting him out there in the penalty kill, having the confidence that he can win a face-off. I mean, between him and Bergeron, I don't know how the Bruins lost a single a single. Uh, face off when they're killing a penalty this year. Um, but no, I think he gave you exactly what you needed him to. Um, and, you know, for that reason, I give him a B plus. Yeah, that's definitely fair. In the playoffs, playoffs, the playoffs, the playoffs, seven games, no goals, two assists, uh, plus zero. Again, I mean, what are you going to grade that? Like, a, <laughs> we, we don't have a very big sample size to work <laughs> yeah. with. I'm going to, I mean, if you were to if you were to look up uh, a Nosik highlight video from this year, every single clip would be a faceoff win. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> like, that's it back to McAvoy. Yeah, like that's pretty much all he had. I don't know. I would just give him a B. Like he, you know. Yeah, uh, he did what he did. Yeah, I think B is. You fair. get what you get. You don't get upset. I mean, that's what Nosik does. He just goes hey. out there and gets picks up an occasional assist and wins faceoffs. Hey, you did your you did your job, Nosik. You got a B. Yeah. Good yeah, job. Give him a pat on the back. Um. Let's jump down to AJ Greer. 61 games played, 12 points, five goals, seven assists, plus nine. He had 114 penalty minutes. There you go. Um, one game winning goal. And yeah, that was his season. Uh, I would give, honestly, look, you weren't really looking for much from AJ Greer. You were really just looking at him to be an agitator, to bring energy. Um, and to just kind of throw his body around. He, and he did that. You also saw him make some stupid mistakes too. Dumb penalties to take. I, I remember one specifically against Montreal. Um, it was towards the end of the season. But AJ Greer, for what he brought to the team, I'll give him a B minus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to give him a C plus. Sorry. This is where you it gets do a little, Yeah, that's where it gets a little wishy-washy for me. I think I'm going to give him a C minus. And I think it's entirely unfair on him because he had like the greatest preseason I think I've ever seen a player have. Right. He had 
you had like Boston jumping, like a lot of fans of this team thought that the Bruins might have found a diamond in the rough here. He was like a, getting two points per game in a, in the preseason. Dude, I almost bought his jersey. Yeah, he had, like, and, then, and then in the regular season, he had like four points in his first six games or something. Yes. I was like, holy shit, the Bruins have somebody. And then all of a sudden, boom, 61 games played this year, 12 points. So yeah. where did that production go? And that's what I mean. I think it's unfair to him because like there's no way he was going to keep that production up. Um, but to go from that excitement heading into the season where then it turned into like most nights, you know, this guy with the emergence of Frederick, this guy isn't in the lineup most nights. Um, and it come playoffs, he's not even on the roster. And you could tell like at the end of the year, I think he was doing whatever he could to get uh, a spot on this team. Uh, so he just started fighting everybody. He was like, shit, yeah. I can't, I can't score. Uh, I can't pick up an assist. I, I have trouble getting minutes, but every team needs an enforcer. So I'll just go fight people. And I think he did that. Actually, no, he didn't even do that well because he lost most fights he was in. <laughs> but um, that's why I think it's unfair to give him a C minus because I was I was hoping for production that he's literally never had in his entire career. Um, but you know, uh, if if you're talking about players that you would have liked to see something more out of, I don't know. I would have liked to see at least a little, little glimpses of what he showed in the preseason at times during the regular season because he really didn't. Yeah, and obviously, like you just said, he wasn't even on the roster for playoffs, so we can't give him a playoff grade. We'll just put <laughs> we'll put like a little ni na. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put a P um, for pending. Let's go. Okay, last forward here is Garnet Hathaway. Twenty five games played with the Bruins, six points, four goals, two assists. He was a minus one, seventeen penalty minutes, um, and he had two game winning goals. Um, I don't know. See, yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't do necessarily anything. I was like, I was never like, holy shit, Garnet Hathaway. You right. know, it was mostly just like it was just for me. It was just it was a comfort factor having him in the lineup because he he's not afraid to muck it up. You know, at least you got a guy down there who can throw his body around and piss people off, which is nice. But like, that's really kind of all he gave you was just yeah. He pisses people off, which yeah, every team like- needs. I feel like he was a little overhyped too because you got Orlov and you got Bertuzzi. So he was automatically kind of thrown into that same pot with those guys. Maybe not production wise with Bertuzzi, but just in terms of what you expected from him. And and you really shouldn't have expected more than six points out of Garnet Hathaway. It's also worth noting too. He, he, when he came to Boston in the 25 games he played, he was actually a minus player. I I can't think of anybody on the Bruins that we've talked about so far who had a negative plus minus in the regular season this year. No, there's only one. I think AJ Greer was a positive, wasn't he? Yes. He was a plus nine. There was, there was, there's only three negative players, um, on the team this year. It was Hathaway at minus one. It was Jacob Zaboral at minus one. Who played like four games. <laughs> and then it was Anton Strawman at minus Oh three. my God. <laughs> Who went out of his way to lose games the first yes. week of the year after he got Literally. his visa or whatever. Yes, he was sabotaging. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously uh, Hathaway in the playoffs. Did we give? Wait, wait. Did we give? Oh yeah, we did give grades for Hathaway regularly. I think I, I gave him. I gave him a C minus. I don't know if I did or not, but if I didn't, I gave him a C minus. In the playoffs, yeah. seven games, one assist, minus one, ten penalty minutes. Uh, I mean, he's doing public skate out there at that point. I mean, I'm, I'll a, give him I'm a, gonna. I'm gonna give him a D. 
that's why i think it's unfair though because i don't know what i was expecting from garnet hathaway again other right. than like the occasional like double biner for pissing somebody off but well, see, uh see for that though the 10 penalty minutes in seven games is not yeah you got to get those numbers up garnet come on if yeah. you're not scoring, you got to be two-handed people in the back of the legs or something <laughs> um all right so that's it for the forwards so now we'll go over to a uh, defenseman. We'll start with the Swedish phenom Hampus Lindholm. Mm. Uh, 80 games played. He only missed two. He had 10 goals, 43 assists, 53 points total. He was a plus 49, 56 penalty minutes. Out of those 53 points, 17 of them came on the power play. And he had two game-winning goals, including an overtime goal, which I think was the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins comeback. Wasn't mm-hmm. it when he took it when he took it end to end? Yeah. Yeah. And ripped that shit. Yeah. Lindholm, regular season Lindholm, A plus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, th- honestly, the analytics pointed towards him being the runner up for Norris if mm. we're if we're gonna get technical. Um, but right. no, he played a, f- a fantastic season. And when Charlie McAvoy was out for like that first month of the year, I mean Hampus Lindholm looked like Superman out there. I mean, he was holding that shit down. Yep. Um and I can't believe how quickly you just skipped over the plus forty nine. I know that's, it's that's, dude ridiculous no it's crazy as a defenseman yeah th- that that had to have led the league i know him and carlo were up there it was it was is 49 did that lead the league this year it had to have been it must have I, I think if it wasn't number one it was top three yeah no i mean hampus lindholm hands down easiest a plus i've ever given out yeah now, but now here's the flip side yeah <laughs> now, we're gonna, now we're gonna go to the playoffs uh seven games played zero points plus two he was near invisible out there um he but but on the flip side he was playing with a broken foot yeah which is like listen i i've I've never given out an a plus so fast and i've never (laughs) been so quick to give out an f but he was skating around with a broken foot and he was a positive player he was a plus two i understand no points and there were times out there he was like hot garbage but um i don't know that's where like you know, I want to, you know what? I'll keep the consistency F screw your yeah. injury. Don't play. If you have a broken foot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you have a broken foot and you're playing the way that you were playing in the playoffs, you sh- just should have enough self-awareness to be like, Hey, um, put Zaboral in or something. Hey, yeah. Hey Monty, I'm, I can't play. I don't know what you're thinking, but I know <laughs> that I can't play right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give, I'm going to give Hampus a D minus. Yeah. I'm going to give him a, he had, you had the effort, but I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him i I'll give him a, a, I know I said F, I'll give him a D minus, but it's like a 60, like one point lower. You have an F summer yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was Hampus. Um, great in the regular season. And then just what the fuck happened in the playoffs. <laughs> um, Which is, we could literally say that for every single defenseman. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. All right. 67 games played. Obviously he was late to start the season because of his surgery. Um, seven goals, 45 assists, 52 points. He was a plus 29, 54 penalty minutes. Um, of his 52 points, 19 came on the power play. He had two game winning goals and one overtime winning goal. Mel regular season, regular season. I'm giving him an a Charlie McAvoy at times looked like the best defenseman in the NHL. And the way that he can take over a game in the offensive zone is like, there's a very short list of players who can do that. 
the only problem though is that he doesn't do it as much as I would like him to. Um, yeah. But like you said, like when he came back from his injury, I mean, he was he was nails back there. You know, there's a reason he's your number one guy. There's a reason he's making the money that he's making. Um, and if he plays a full 82 or even if he gets to 80, I mean, I think he's seriously in the Norris conversation. Yeah. Um, so I, I give Charlie McAvoy an A for the regular season. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. People were literally debating him and Adam Fox on the Rangers. Who's better? Yeah. Um, he's a, he's the top three, maybe top five defenseman in the league. He's up there with guys named Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Miro Heiskanen, um, Connor this, Clifton. This, this season's Eric Carlson. Um, I would give McAvoy an A. Honestly, I'm going to give McAvoy an A plus for the season. He came back injured, probably. He definitely wasn't still fully healthy. Um, still put up the season that he did, and he was the anchor of that defensive unit, him and Lindholm, like all market swimming, one, a one B for the regular season. Now in the playoffs, uh, seven games played, no goals, five assists. And he was a minus three. Uh, yeah. I mean, playoffs, I'm going to give him a C minus. Okay. Um, he wasn't their worst defenseman, but at times he definitely was, which yeah. is like not what you would expect to see from Charlie McAvoy after the regular season he just had. Um, way too many turnovers. Way too many. There yeah. were a lot of times Charlie McAvoy in the defensive zone is just making the lazy pass, throwing it around the boards, coughing up at the blue line, and that's just what you don't expect to see from Charlie McAvoy. Point production-wise, five points, no goals, but five points in seven games is pretty good. And that kind of calls back to what I said about the regular season. Like there were times towards the end of the game, notably, when uh, he would get the puck at his stick in the offensive zone, and he's like wheeling around trying to set guys up. It's like you know he just he is like a power up, like he's playing Mario Kart or something, and everybody else has like cement shoes, and he's flying around. But the only problem with that is that he would only do it towards like the end of the game. He would turn it up when the Bruins really need him to, which is nice, but you would like to see that more consistently. Um, minus three in seven games uh, from your top defenseman uh, after, you know, a guy like Hampus Lindholm just was like plus 49 or whatever the hell we just said um, is not encouraging. You don't like to see that from your top defenseman, um, which is why I think what I say, C. Well, uh, either yeah. way. I'm sticking. I'm giving him a C for the playoffs. I would have liked to see more, but uh, he wasn't the Bruins' worst defenseman. Yeah. Um, for playoffs, I would give McAvoy a C as well. I mean, expected a little bit better puck control from him and better breakouts. He's still though five points in seven games for your back end. Not terrible, but as as the lead defenseman, you need to lead by example, and you got to be better defensively than that. Um, and you got to break the puck out better because so many times we saw just gross giveaways. Negligence. And, and, Negligence. Yeah. He's allergic to the puck. He's just yeah. giving it away. <laughs> just trying to get rid of it as quick as possible. Um, so, yeah, I would give um, I would give McAvoy a C for playoffs. Now, Connor Clifton. A plus. Um, by the way, Connor Clifton this season, very, very, very good. Um, he had 208 hits, dude. Connor Clifton had 208 hits. Um, 511, he, 190, by the way. Yeah. Five goals, 18 assists, 23 points. He was a plus 20, 60 penalty minutes. Um, do, do, do. He had one short-headed goal. He did. He had one short-headed goal. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah, I mean, Clifton, he was really penciled in as your seventh defenseman coming into the season. Um, nobody really expected him to be a mainstay in that decor. And 78 games, that's a mainstay. I would give Clifton a... Yeah, I'm teetering between an A- and a B plus right now. I'm going to say for what he gave you and what your expectations were him were for him coming into the season, I would give him an A-. minus. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would give him an A just because of, uh, for the same reason we just talked about a couple guys, you didn't know what you were going to get from Connor Clifton. He was your seventh defenseman. And for, honestly, large chunks of the season, you couldn't afford to take him out of your lineup because what he was going to, what he was giving you. Um, and literally across the board, career year and everything. Uh, his career high prior to this year was two goals. He had five. Career high was sixty goal, sixty games played. He played seventy eight. Career high was eight assists. He had eighteen. He more than doubled his career high in points. He was a plus twenty, which is double his career high in plus minus. Sixty penalty minutes, which is you know good or bad in Connor Clifton's play uh, spot. You know he wasn't out there hacking guys, but um, career high in that as well. Career high in block shots, career high in hits, career high in takeaways. Uh, you know, he played a, a great season for a guy you thought was going to be your seventh defenseman. So um, mm-hmm. I give him an A minus for the regular season. Fair. Now, Matt Grizzlick. Oh, no, God, playoffs for Clifton. Sorry. <laughs> Don't you uh, dare skip Connor Clifton's playoff performance. Oh, boy, you sure? You know, you sh- I give him a D. Honestly, you should have <laughs> <should've> skipped it. <laughs> yeah, three games played, no points, minus four. Clifton, sorry, buddy, but that's an F for me. Yeah, You uh, were terrible in the playoffs, but <laughs> we won't harp on it too much. Uh, Matt Grizzlick, 75 games played, four goals, 22 assists, plus 26. He had uh, 46. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He was a plus 46. He had 26 total points. Holy shit. Um, 28 penalty minutes, zero power play points, zero power play points. Uh, but he did have two game winning goals. Hey, Grizz, half, of, half of his goals were game winning goals. They were. I would give Grizz uh, uh, a C plus, C plus for Grizz. Yeah, maybe maybe a B minus. I would I would give him a B minus. Just because his his point production in terms of what he's been giving you his whole career was the same. It was consistent. But defensively, he was a lot better this year than he has been in the past. You just mentioned it. Plus 46. Crazy. It's crazy. Hampus Lindholm, a guy we were just saying, the analytics support him as the runner-up for the Norse, was a plus 49. That, By the way, that plus minus is a large reason why people are, are celebrating Hampus Lindholm saying he could be a Norris candidate. Matt Grizzick is right there, right in his tails with a plus 46. I did not expect him to have that high of a plus minus. No. Um, but all things considered, um, I know, again, with him inconsistent at times where he was like literally the worst player in the NHL for like a week or two every now and then, which tends to happen with Matt Grizzlick. But um, for the most of the season, when you got from, I thought was great. So I'll give him a B. I just wish he would have been more consistent in terms of his uh, offensive production. Yeah. And, and by the way, just for the NHL stat leaders in the regular season for plus minus, the top three were all Bruins. Number one was Hampus Lindholm at plus 49. Number two was Matt Grizzlick at plus 46. And number three was Brandon Carlo, who is at plus 44. So, I mean. Wow. You know, with that with that plus 46 for Matt Grizzlick, you'd think you'd want to go into the playoffs starting him, right? I mean, any logical coach would have had him in that. <laughs> oh, Just saying. But his playoffs, uh, Grizzlick sadly only played in four games. 
He had zero points and he was a minus one. And uh, a lot of that, I think, comes from the inconsistency, though. If he, if he started game one and continued all the way through seven, his stat line would be different, I think. But yeah. um, but in reality, that's not what we're looking at. So he played four games. He put nothing on the board, and he was a minus one. Uh, you you got to give Grizz like a C minus. You know, I'm gonna give him. Uh, I'm gonna give him a C plus, actually, just because okay. I think I seriously think that it could have been different if he was starting at game one. Not so much just because of like Matt Grizzlick is is a difference maker, but it's more because like there were times I wanted the Bruins to like ship Derek Forbert to the middle oh of the desert and just leave him there. Oh my if, god! If, if that means that Derek Forbert was out of the lineup and Matt Grizzlick is in, holy shit! Um, but also, he was one of the very he might have been the only defenseman, honestly, who didn't have a single giveaway in the playoffs, which is rare. Talking about this, this Bruins defensive unit for the playoffs, so I'll give him a, I'll give him a C plus. But the main reason, like you said, I would have liked to see what he could have done production wise if he played all seven. But I know apparently Jim Montgomery knows more than everybody else does. So <laughs> yeah, um, let's go, Dmitry Orlov. He played twenty three games for the Bruins in the regular season, four goals, thirteen assists. Defenseman, 17 points in 23 games. Uh, he was a plus 10, 12 penalty minutes. He had four points on the power play. And let's see, he also had one shorthanded point as well. Orlov coming in from Washington could not have fit into the system quicker and any better than he did. Regular season, Orlov, A+. Plus. Every, I mean, he became the D.C. sniper. That was yeah. his nickname. Bobby Skorlov. Bobby yeah. Skorlov. I mean, this is a some guy might, who literally played 20 games. Some might call his his production historic when he yes. was in the Bruins, as it yes. was. Um, yeah, no, regular season in the Bruins, definitely. Uh, would you give him A+. Plus? I gave him an A+. Plus. I'm going to give him an A- because okay. his offensive production was definitely there. But, man, defensively, holy shit. At times – he had the the yips like McAvoy did in the playoffs, coughing the puck over seemingly nonstop. There were a couple times too, like it was like a, like just like a, a simple breakout, and he would like trip and fall in the corner or some shit. Um, but there's I there's I can think of three or four distinct times where he put the puck on the other team's stick right in front of the net, which like you just can't do as a defenseman. Um, but you know it didn't cost him in the regular season, and his offensive production was insane. So I'll give him an A minus for the regular season. Fair. Playoffs, seven games played, no goals. He had eight assists. Uh, and he was a minus three. But like you said, at times it seemed like he had the yips and he didn't defensively. Yeah. He wasn't being a defenseman. Yeah. Um, I would uh, – I don't mm, – I'm going to say C minus, really close to a D plus. He, he had the assists, the points were there, but Jesus Christ, in the defensive zone, he looked lost. Yeah, I'm going to be right there with you, C-. minus. I think it's very telling to average over a point per game in the playoffs, but yet be a minus three as a defenseman. Like yeah. he, he was horrible defensively, terrible in the defensive zone, um, which as a defenseman, it, your offensive production is great. But the, if you have your resume, the very first thing you list is is your defensive zone capabilities, and he could not figure that out in the playoffs to save his life. So no. C- for the playoffs for me as well. All right, this one's going to be fun. Um, Derek Forbert. He played He played 54 games in the regular season, five goals, seven assists, 12 points. Obviously, you're not looking for production on Derek Forbert. Um, 
Yeah, he was a plus 12. He had 23 penalty minutes. I don't know. Forbert in the regular season, trying to take the bias out of it, of, of all the excitement when he did score, because that was a big part of it. Just looking at his numbers in his season, I would probably give Forbert a B-. minus. Yeah, I mean, I know I've definitely been hard on Forbert, but five goals... 12 points plus plus 12. I mean, he's that's a third line pairing. I mean, that's that's what you expect. That's honestly better than most third line pairings a, yeah. a, a five or six defenseman would give you. Um, so I'll, I'll give him a B. Also, 88 block shots. You know, everybody talks about him being able to block shots. Yeah. He did that this year, but 106 hits for a guy his size. His defensive partner, Connor Clifton, had over 200 hits. Yeah, Derek, Derek Forbert, who's standing uh, 6'4", 208, only had 106 hits. Um, you know, you need a guy that size to be roughing people up in the corners, to be trying to uh, – you want people to have that fear factor when they're going in the corner with you, when they're crashing the net. And, uh, you know, they. I, it sounds funny, but I think they had it going into Connor Clifton's corner, but not Derek Forbert's corner. And one of those sure. guys is standing five inches taller than the other. Also, would you – Say uh, he he was looking to be in that role of what Radko Gudis is doing right now for Florida. No, no. Like like like. What do you, do do I think that he wanted to do that, or do I think that he no. was trying to do that? No, and so do you think he should have been doing that just based on his size and and? Oh, definitely. But he okay. he just doesn't have it in him. I, that's right. just not Eric Forbert. Well, yeah. I mean, could you picture Radko Gudis posting his dog all over social media? Like, no. And no, I, no. I think it would be more likely that Radko Gudis would post his dog on social media than it is for Derek Forbert to scream in the face of the other team's goalie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> like Radko Gudis, if he had a dog and if he was posting it on social, his dog, it would be like. A really mean-looking German Shepherd next to like a deer that he just shot in the woods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he didn't even know. He didn't even shoot the deer. He just went up and just started. He snuck up on him and started punching him. <laughs> no, he just he screamed in the deer's face, and the deer died of of terror. I bet you Radko Gudis would hunt with a slingshot. Radko Gudis could hunt with his fists. Racco Gudis keeps a little fanny pack on him filled with rocks and small stones and he goes out with the <laughs> he goes out with the slingshot and just starts hucking them at at deer. Dude, Radko Gudis probably makes canoes out of trees. He probably does. And he, he cuts him with his hands. He just karate chop he starts <laughs> he starts fire by just slapping logs and the heat, the kinetic yeah. energy just bursts into flames. Dude, oh, I want Radko Gudis so bad. But me too. Derek Forbert in the playoffs, seven games played. Wild that he played all seven games in the playoffs. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, he had one point and he was a minus one. I don't F. care. Yeah, okay. Yeah, F. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> yeah. he sucked. Total no traffic cones. Or butts. He was so yeah. bad in the playoffs. Oh, my God. I mean, people were literally screaming for him to get taken out of the lineup. And Jim Montgomery, night in and night out. No, this is my guy. I'm sticking was... with him. I was pulling out candles and starting a prayer circle for Jim Montgomery. I was sending smoke signals to please take this guy out of the lineup, and he wasn't responding. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't listen he wouldn't to us. Do it. Um, we'll go quick. Jacob Zaboral, 22 games, one goal, three assists, um, four points. He was a minus one, six penalty minutes. I mean, uh, just, see. 
C. Yeah, it was Perfectly really average. Yeah, and then obviously no playoffs. Anton yeah. Schalman, eight games F, played, zero F, points minus F, three. F, F, F all across the board. <laughs> Did not do a single thing. Couldn't even get home right. He was stranded yeah. in a foreign country. <laughs> he couldn't even get home right. He couldn't. <laughs> all right. All right, we're getting to the end of it now, but we'll do the goalies. Regular season, Linus Allmark, most unbelievable record-setting season I've ever seen from a goalie. 49 games played, 40 wins, six losses, one overtime loss. Um, he had a 189 goals against, a 938 save percentage with two shutouts. Easy A+. Plus. A+. Plus. I'm surprised he didn't get more than two shutouts. That's the and that, With the save percentage and the goals, goals against average like that to only have two shutouts is kind of weird. Right. No, but that just shows how dominant and how consistent he was, dude. Like, he yeah. was literally only letting in, like, two or three goals a game. Can yeah. All, like, all season long. That's true. I uh, give him an A+. Plus. How do you do in the playoffs? Linus Allmark in the playoffs. <sighs> Six games played, three and three. He had a 3.3 goals against average and an 8.96 save percentage. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fat F for me. Fat F. And I and don't care if he was injured. Same thing with what we were saying earlier yeah. with Hampus Lindholm. If you knew you were hurt and you were hurting the team by playing, you should have had enough, you know, enough brain cells to tell Jim Montgomery that, hey, I, I should take at least one night off here. Now, do you put any weight, though, in him saying that he it's not an excuse and he was good enough to play, healthy enough to play, and that he just sucked? Because that's what he said. Uh... If that's the case, then that's terrifying. Yeah, especially when you look at his his past playoff games too before right. this season. Then right. you start to wonder, um, damn, like does this guy just not have it for the playoffs? Because I know somebody who did have it for the playoffs, but everybody for the last fifteen years told us that he didn't. <laughs> yeah, Tuka Rask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, Omar gets an A plus from both of us for the regular season and an F in the postseason for very obvious reasons um jeremy swayman 37 games played 24 6 24 wins six losses four overtime losses he had a 2.27 goals against and a 920 save percentage swayman also had four shutouts yeah i'm gonna give him um oh man those are great numbers i'm gonna give him an a minus the reason Mm -hmm. i don't give an a plus is because the first month of the year he sucked Yep. We were talk- people were talking about sending him down to Providence because they thought, despite having 41 starts last year, maybe he isn't ready. Um, but that also kind of just shows how he was able to settle down and the dominance that he had over the last four or five months of the season, the rebound from that first month. I would have liked to see more consistency out of him, but, um, I mean, you can't complain about a 920 save percentage of 2.27 goals against average. So I'll give him an right. A- minus for the regular season. Yep. Um <sighs> I'm in the same boat as you, honestly. I, I I like the A minus. You know, the the first month of the season was a disaster for Jeremy Swayman. Um, so much, so much of a disaster that, like you said, people literally were calling for him to be traded, sent down to Providence. Um, all these crazy takes for him to take, kind of take a step back from the team. But then he turned it around, and he became the goalie that we all knew. He was and who he who he and what he's capable of playing up to. So a minus for the regular season for sure. Playoffs, I mean, he played game seven. <laughs> I mean, yeah, which is wild because 
he didn't play bad. I mean, he gave right. up. Uh, I, I th- remember correctly. I know the first goal he gave up was definitely a soft goal. Um, but again, it's his first start of the playoffs is at a game seven. Right. He had an 875 save percentage at 3.34 goals against average, but it didn't feel like that. Like I thought that in that game seven, it could have been ugly. If it wasn't for some of the saves that Swayman made, regardless of the first goal he let in. So yep. playoffs, everything, considering everything coming in for game seven. And well, he played a little bit for in uh, game six, I think it was. Um, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a B plus. Just okay. because if it wasn't for that first goal, like I thought he played really well other than that soft goal he let up in game seven. And if it wasn't for that soft goal in a game that the Bruins lost in overtime, who knows where we could be right now? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Let's do Jim Montgomery. F in the playoffs. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. Regular season. You got to give him an A plus, right? Yes. Yeah. A plus in the regular season. F for every button that he pushed in the playoffs, and then literally, every, and then so, like you can probably go he didn't even he didn't even go to sleep at night, right? He did everything wrong, <laughs> dude. He like every single decision that he made, whether it was Grizzlick, whether it was playing Forbert for seven games, whether it was uh, separating Bergeron and Marshawn, whether it was I'm missing one. Um, one obvious one I can't. Oh, yeah. Fumbling uh, the lines up for game five. No, just waiting until game seven to start swimming after having oh, yeah. a having a one A one B situation all year long. It's definitely enough for Montgomery. He couldn't. I would be surprised if he could tie his shoes in the playoffs. He couldn't do a single thing right, like you said. And it was almost like a classic case. It felt like a, at times of just overcoaching, just making changes he didn't have to make. Um, even like small stuff. I know we've talked about it before, but if you're up three to one and you don't necessarily need Bergeron and Krejci to come back, then why are they coming back? And if you know your goalie is hurt, why are you starting somebody else? I mean, why aren't you starting Swayman? And if you have a defenseman who hasn't played hockey in two months, why are you putting in him in the lineup to start game one? When you have this other guy, Matt Grizzlick, who's been playing great hockey ever since Forbert went out, it just, it was like, what the hell? And like, you right. don't want to be an armchair manager and an armchair coach, but like going through Twitter and all of these instances that you and I have just mentioned, all of us, every Bruins fan was like, what are you doing? And yeah. it wasn't just like, he should be doing this, he should be doing that. Every single person was screaming, he should do this. He should, you know, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Grizzly, maybe Forbert should play. Maybe. No, everybody was saying pull Forbert out of the lineup and start Grizzly. And guess what? He put Grizzly in the lineup, but he pulled Clifton and he couldn't, mm. like, he just couldn't do anything right. Um, if you Classic. give him anything other than an F for the playoffs, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. People were literally calling him to, for, for him to be fired, which is not the right <laughs> move. But no. um, yeah, literally every decision was the wrong decision. Um, so, Last one here, Don Sweeney. A plus. A plus, because you look at the moves, right? You trade you trade for Dimitri Orlov and Garner Hathaway, and what you gave up was a fifth-round pick, um, Craig Smith, and some more picks. Like, that's it. That's all you got. That's all you had to give up for, for those two players. Um, and then you look at the Bertuzzi trade, you lose the 2024 first-round pick, and a 2025 fourth round pick for Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, 
he, he, you saw the way he built this team. You saw the way he was able to get Bergeron and Marshawn, or Bergeron and Krejci back in the lineup at vet minimum. Um, he, he gave Jim Montgomery the deepest team in, I would argue, NHL history to work with. He, Don Sweeney did everything that he could to put a championship team on the ice. And, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But in, from Don Sweeney's perspective and his limitations on what he's allowed to do to influence this team, he had basically a perfect season. Yeah. Including, including the extension of Pavel Zaka, too. And David Pasternak. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the the GM doesn't go out there and and play. He doesn't even coach. It's the GM's job to put the best team on the ice as possible. And every single person in the stats back this up was saying this is the greatest team in NHL history. Of course, they said that before the playoffs started, but right. that was all because of what Don Sweeney did. The trades you just mentioned, giving up no NHL talent whatsoever to get those players. Uh, you can even talk about the emergence of Tread Frederick. I mean, yeah. Don Sweeney had a say in that. He's the one who brought in Jim Montgomery, who had such an impact on some of these young players. Um, even you could talk about like working out the wrinkles with Jake DeBrusque, who just requested a trade last year. I mean, there's like a million things that could have uh, you could point towards giving Don Sweeney an A plus. And at the end of the day, he did everything you would want your GM to do, and then some. Um, minus that stain at the very beginning of the year that we won't talk about. But it was a great year from Don Sweeney, A+. plus. At the end of the day, his team and his coach just failed him. Yep. Yeah. Um, exactly. But with that, um, you know, this was our episode today. It was just the grading, the grading season. Um, and I think we were pretty fair with, with our report cards. Um, but, hey, Celtics are on tonight. See if they can avoid another team oh, from God, South Florida dude. just – Ending all of our hopes and dreams. You know, the but, Celtics have a lot of the same problems that the Bruins have too. And it's just to, to watch it play out twice right in front of me. It's uh I don't sleep well at night. <laughs> no, no. So so us Bruins fans are praying for you, Celtics fans. Uh, but if you are a gambling man or woman, um you can go always go on to fanduel.com slash Boston and you can reap your free rewards and benefits with that code. But, yeah, I mean, hey, episode 42, the report card episode. Um, you know, next next episode, we're going to be uh, – we might know who the Stanley Cup matchup will be. And that's yes. very exciting. We could have very a whole exciting. Stanley Cup episode. Yes. I'm honestly – I'm hoping for Florida Vegas. That's what I want. Oh, my gosh. That would be electric. I know yeah. I myself would love to see that because I would – like, I – said it enough times i'm rooting for florida for reasons i've already said but it would be cool to see what bruce Cassidy can do as well but that's my perspective and i know that there's a whole other side of the bruins fandom which is like that is death like that is the worst possible matchup you could ever have is bruce Cassidy and the florida panthers in the in the stanley cup finals and like i hate to be the bearer of bad news but it's looking like that might be the case at least the florida panthers now i want to ask you this what do you think of the take that some people have of like saying the Bruins shouldn't have gotten rid of Cassidy because because he's now having success with Vegas? I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, you thank know, you. All right. <laughs> I mean, the what the Bruins just did, 
first of all, we can talk regular season. I mean, if Bruce Cassidy is here, there's no 65 wins. There's no records. There's no none of this. We've already said Jake DeBrusque, see ya. He's out of here. Bergeron, Krejci, very lucky that they don't want to come back because we now know that they hated playing for Bruce Cassidy. Um, yeah. So right off the bat, your team looks different. If that's your team, if you don't have those three players, well, are you trading for Bertuzzi? Are you trading for Garnet Hathaway? Are you trading for Orlov? And now this is a totally different team we're talking about. But besides the point, even when you get to the playoffs, the Bruins just collapsed in the playoffs. Absolutely. But when Bruce Cassidy was here, when did the Bruins not collapse in the playoffs? I mean, they collapsed in 2019. Bruce Cassidy was a coach. They've had some really good teams over the last, what was it, six or seven years Bruce Cassidy was a coach here. The, one of the reasons that they fired Bruce Cassidy was because they, he, they just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And at some point, you got to – not that he was a fall guy. I think there's other things I contributed as well. But um, no, like I think if Bruce Cassidy was the coach, the Bruins would not be in the Stanley Cup Finals they probably wouldn't even be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it would have had a similar ending to what we had this year because that's just how it's been the last six years with Bruce Cassidy here. So, yeah. no, I don't think it would make sense to have to think that the Bruins would be in a better spot if Cassidy was still here over Montgomery. Yeah, and I think it could have been worse too. I mean, you, you're looking at maybe Bergeron not coming back. You're looking at Krejci probably not coming back. Jake DeBrusque probably not re-signing. You're looking at a whole bunch of things because I, I think it's it's pretty fair to say that those had connections with Cassidy. Yeah. And I mean, and it goes so much deeper than that, too. I mean, if you want to talk about we can talk about goaltending. I mean, the success the 1A, 1B system has. Jim Montgomery has been extremely vocal that that's not him. That's Bob Asensa, the goalie coach who makes the call as to who's going to start. And he's been huge into getting these guys in the right mindset into coaching them up. And it's it's been them. It's it's it seemed like Jim Montgomery has just taken the coaching the the goalie responsibilities and put them entirely on Bob Asensa, and we were rewarded with um, one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a pair of goaltenders. If Bruce Cassidy is here, is he doing that? Do you think he's looking at Bob Asensa and saying, "You run with the goalies and tell me who's starting, and we'll figure this shit out"? I don't think so. So there's so many layers to this from like who would even be on this team to would you have the same production from your goalies? Would you have the same production from Trent Frederick? Like it's it's so much deeper than that. And and no, I think that the Bruins, to your point, would be worse off if Bruce Cassidy was still the coach here. Yep. Boom. Let's end it on that. Um, (laughs) Hey, well, thank you guys all for listening to episode 42 of the Something's Bruin podcast. yeah, hopefully next episode we have a Stanley Cup final matchup that we can talk a little bit about. But I just want to remind everybody that we are brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, if you're looking for a little more content, me and Nick and our, our other friend Connor, we play EASHL Thursday nights. Potentially not this week because if the Celtics win, that takes priority. But um, we try to get on once a week. You can follow that account on Twitch at Something's Brewing Podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. Stop in, you know, talk some hockey, watch some hockey. And um, we all have a good time together. So, yeah. Also, if you're on uh, PS5 like we are. Um, send us a DM or whatever yes. on Twitter or message us. We're always looking for people to play with. I know we just got one, uh, I think last week from a potential goalie who yes. wanted to play goalie with us. Uh, I don't have his DM pulled up in front of me, but 
we can definitely do that. And then I know we've been talking with uh, Mark El Presidente, El CEO, um, <laughs> maybe doing a little something on a PGA, which would be fun. We could do yes. a little, uh, play a little virtual round of golf with the fellas and do what was it, trivia or answer questions or something. Yeah. Um, I'm, that's Mark's got that taken care of. But for us, every Thursday, as Shelly said, the way that the Celtics are playing, I would say it's very likely that I will be playing NHL on Thursday night because it looks like they're about to get swept tonight. But um, we'll let you know. We'll put out a tweet on the status of that. Yeah. Well, hey, on that note, thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. I'm going to download this and get this over to you as soon as possible. Okay. I have to pee so badly.